1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson joins us from Heartland Farm Partners out of Lincoln. Let's look at these markets. Nice to see a higher day today on the trade and really some big jumps, especially in the soybean trade.
0: Oh, it was great to see, and it's always a lot more fun to talk to you, Susan, on days when the market's higher than when they're down. But, you know, after the close, we ended up having um, September corn up three and three quarters. But the real winner today over was the soybean side and then also the hogs, for that matter. But we'll talk about those later. September soybeans closed up 28, so that was a great day to see that, Susan.
1: Well, as we look at these markets, obviously there's been a lot of outside market influence into the way we've seen today's trade come about. Let's first of all talk about the, the kind of the mood that's in there. Terrace so China and the soybean trade continue to be a hot spot.
0: Yeah, they really do, and this is always kind of a fun time of the year. We we get to know a lot more information about what's going on in the crop this year, we just happen to have another dynamic in regard to that trade. And, and actually, the positiveness of the fact that uh, some of the lower level discussions are going to continue again with China, uh, I think right now they're scheduled for the 22nd, 23rd. I know they're still trying to harden up exactly what the topics are going to be. We we hope they have some discussions about tariffs. We we assume they will. And that's all it took here to just to go ahead and breathe some life back into this market
1: looking at this, the struggles that the soybeans have had, and, and especially when you see in the news from the Chinese newspapers saying that the U.S. was going to struggle because of it almost as if they were gloating to the fact that you know we're having some tariff issues here.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, but I think it's a, as we predict. The thing that we have to realize about, I think, of China is they're very con- controlled and very calculated. So I think some of the things we'd expect to hear coming out of their media... And what we don't ever know for sure is whose story is that. Is it the Chinese government story? Is it some really, even when we see some op-eds, is it actual real people? Or is it really just the Communist Party speaking through the the government to go ahead and tell the story? But they're going to paint a picture that things are all okay over there, and they're going to paint a picture that we're going to be hurt. I, I think we'd expect that from them.
1: We're getting closer, and I know that producers just in my neck of the woods are saying, boy, we're going to be harvesting some up to two weeks early. So we look at the yields with the weather that's been happening, not only here in the U.S., but globally. A lot of things we need to prepare for?
0: Yeah, there there really is. And I think what we have to think about, the basis level on soybeans is definitely something we're going to want to watch. Many areas, they've already widened out, so there may not be the opportunity to get that basis set. But I think for areas that haven't widened out, I think getting that basis locked is is something important for harvest. I'm not so worried about post-harvest. But I think in a big picture, I think the market's really focused on, we've touched on the tariffs with China. There's a lot of discussion about the soybean trade, which we'll talk more a little bit in a moment. And then really, can these yields be what we think? They've been talked about in the WASDI reports. And then uh, there's a lot of people looking forward to some of the crop tours that will kick off next week.
1: Well, crop tours, what are we expecting? I mean, because we talk about the weather, we talk about the yields that have been there. Can we expect any surprises in these upcoming yeah, crop tours?
0: I think we can, and I think the best way to kind of look at it is let's 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 kind of define, I think there's going to be two different types of tours out there, and, and there's going to be the ones that are able to determine what the kernel weight, because really at the end of the day, what's going to happen is that how this yield comes in is going to be dependent upon how this weather finishes us and also then what the kernel weight is and there's going to be two tri- types of tours for instance the pro farmer tour um, in that particular one as they go out and that's a great tour they go out they take a lot of samples what's interesting about that one is i'm not so sure that they're going to find a yield much different than what usda had as a matter of fact they might even find a bigger yield and here's why when they go out in the fields our understanding of the methodology is they're going to count off and measure two rows 30 feet long They're going to count the ears in each of those rows. They're then going to go in and examine the 5th, the 8th, and the 11th ears. And on those ears, they'll count the rows around, and then they'll measure the length of the ears. So they'll come in and take the number of um, ears they have. They'll take it times the rows they have. They'll take it times the length to come up with, really, You think about it, so many inches of kernels. And then after that, they're going to divide by the row width. So really, the weight of the kernel doesn't come into play. So I think that type of tour actually could give us a little bit higher yield than maybe even what USDA thinks. Mainly because we think the stand counts are out there, we think that the kernel counts are out there, but we think we could come up a little bit of short in the weight of the kernels.
1: How do you think the old uh, the demand is going to be for this old crop?
0: You know, the demand is really holding in there very well. And so if we start off, let's let's talk about soybeans first because that's the one that has a lot of attention. Our demand is actually finishing very good. In the latest crush report we got, we're actually, I'd say, slightly ahead of pace in regard to where we think we need to be to finish at USDA's numbers. The export side had been an area where there'd been a lot of concern and a lot of apprehension with China not being there, what was going to happen. But as we'd expected, with the big difference in price between Brazil and the U.S., a lot of non-traditional buyers showed up. And we're actually finishing... I'd say the export season in this crop year better than what we would have had China been here on the old crop just because we've got a lot of these buyers that are coming in. And normally we wouldn't see China in there. China would normally, because of where we'd expect the prices to be between Brazil and the U.S., normally we'd expect to see them buying everything from Brazil. So we're actually finishing up very strong on both the old and new crop demand for soybeans.
1: And there has been, and I haven't seen any numbers for for soybeans today, but I know yesterday there were some purchases on the corn side going to an unknown destination. Have you heard who that destination is and could it have been China?
0: You know, that's that's exactly. It's possible that it could have been. One thing I think we're going to have to get used to in both these export inspections and in the sales reports, we've always in the past have thought unknown equals China. But since we end up having some new countries come in and start buying, I think we can't be so quick to make that assumption this year. I think some of those times it may not actually be China. It could be some other countries. So we'll just have to kind of put that into our memory banks as we go forward for those reports. Well,
1: stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontanelle final bell coming up here on the Rural Radio Network. More on the grains, livestock as well, here on the Rural Radio Network. Hey. Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, being joined by Jeff Peterson with Heartland Farm Partners out of Lincoln. Talk a little bit about this old crop corn. What are we looking at, Jeff? You
0: know, the old crop corn demand, is it's been exciting to see the demand that we've had. its It's been a few years since we've had the demand this time of year, and it's really all because of the problems that happened in South America and Argentina and Brazil. But the old crop demand is very good. We're seeing very strong numbers on the ethanol side. Looks like we're on course to hit the, the demand projections that USDA laid out there. Feed numbers look good so far. And over on the export side, we we actually have a continued um, supply of people showing up that wants our corn on the old crop side. And actually, as we jump over to the new crop side on corn, I'm really optimistic there also on the corn side, Susan. What about for, when you talk about
1: that optimism, what are you looking at? What are some key you know, things that are jumping out at you that keeps that optimism in check?
0: Yeah, I'd say if we if we dig into the numbers, what we'd see is that we know that Brazil had some crop problems, and we know that Argentina had crop problems, and there are a couple major suppliers. We also know on the corn side, um, we're talking here, and Ukraine also had some issues, but you go one step farther, so we think about what's going to compete with that corn. Well, world feed wheat. We don't think about it a lot here in the U.S., but feed wheat's a competitor, and where's there been problems? Well, the Black Sea regions had problems. Looks like they're going to be down on their wheat production. Europe has definitely had problems. Australia is having some issues, and now we start talking about some of the problems coming out of the southern Canadian prairies. So, our competing feedstocks have also had some issues. Uh, then we go forward and we say, well, what about the demand? Big picture? Well, world demand continues to grow. We continue to see that happen. And then the next thing that I like to take a look at is as you dig into those weekly export sales reports, we'd say, well, how are we progressing? And as we take a look at the corn side, we already on the books for the 2018 crop year, we have about 8.8 million metric tons. OK, that compares to 5.7 million metric tons on the books last year. So our new crop sales already for corn for exports are up 54 percent compared to a year ago.
1: So how do you, are, or do you have any concerns when it comes to the new crop soybean demand?
0: Yeah, the new crop soybean demand is one that I've had a lot of concerns about. But then I started digging into the numbers a little bit more, and I said, well, let's let's just take a look at this. So for the two thousand and eighteen crop here, I, we looked at what are the world soybean exports. and and this number, I haven't updated for the new WASD numbers, but they're pretty close. So this is coming out of July. World soybean imports are about five point six billion bushels. China actually imports about 3.5 billion of them. But where I started getting and gaining a little more optimism is when I looked at the non-Chinese soybean imports, 2.1 billion. Now, when you hear that number, you might think, oh, it's just uh, 2.1 billion. But here's the important part, Susan. As we look at that, coming out of the August WASDE report, um, USDA had our exports which would be the imports going to those non-Chinese countries at $2.06 The importance of that is that we actually can go ahead and still meet our export numbers and not ship one soybean to China.
1: You say that, and I think that may give a bit of relief to producers knowing that we'll be okay in that regard if that market doesn't
0: bounce back. Yeah, if that market doesn't bounce back, but but let me let me kind of add a couple things to that. That's not going to be an easy task. What right. that means is that we're going to have to pick up 95 percent of the non-Chinese soybean imports. Now, what are some of the challenges that could be out there? Well, some of those countries could have already bought in, bought soybeans, right? As a matter of fact, you know that's a common practice, especially like here to to go ahead and step in and buy. So they might have bought beans from Brazil already. But they could trade out of those beans. So I guess I still think there's a chance that we could go ahead and hit that type of level on the soybean exports.
1: Do we have any world weather concerns?
0: Yeah, there is a few out there. Um, And I think as we dig into those, uh, Europe definitely is an area that's having some weather problems. So I think we should expect to see some smaller yields on the corn and wheat side coming out of there. Australia has definitely got an issue there. And we're going to want to continue to keep an eye on those southern Canadian prairies in addition to that. And the North China Plain, uh, they've been a little too dry. They've been a little bit too hot at times so i don't think their production is going to be as strong as what we'd normally expect to see coming out of there
1: lots of things happening on the crop side i just briefly wanted to touch before we wrap up we did have limit up trade in the hogs today good news for that pork producer and as you and i talked before the final bell kind of all being tied back to the nafta talk that broke probably during the one o'clock hour
0: yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got uh, Robert Leitenheiser coming out and saying, I think we're going to go ahead and get even closer to getting something wrapped up with Mexico. Negotiations are going to come back in place um, again tomorrow or actually this afternoon, Thursday afternoons, I guess. And, and so then the other thing I think that's actually happening there, though, too, is just the talk that the U.S. and China is talking to um, can also add some additional support to that pork market.
1: Sounds great. What's the best way for folks to reach you, Jeff?
0: Hey, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at JeffPeterson01.
1: Thanks so much, Jeff. Of course, the Fontenelle Final Bell will be up as a podcast coming up after 3 o'clock this afternoon. You've been listening to the Fontanel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
0: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.